There are as many roads to recovery as there are people searching for it. Sometimes those roads have surprising twists and turns, veering away from the beaten track to try forging a new path. From addiction to recovery to recovered, today's guest has had an inspiring journey to where she is today, and her journey has often run parallel to my own. This is Not In Vain, the podcast about addiction, mental health, and recovery in all its forms. I'm on a script, a recovered ex-addict and drag weirdo. My opinions are my own, and remember, listening to podcasts isn't treatment. If you're worried about your substance use, then please seek professional advice, and some people may also benefit from mutual aid groups. My guest for this episode is AKA Mandy Lee, a prolific singer-songwriter. Mandy Lee released her debut EP during lockdown, closely followed by a full-length album. She's a passionate advocate for recovery and personal development and uses her music to inspire change. So welcome, Mandy Lee. How are you feeling today? I'm great, Felix. Hiya. You look fab. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I recorded another episode recently and um, I had 20 minutes to do my makeup in between two pole classes and then sweated most of it off. And I've been editing the video this week and I look grim so I thought you know what for this one I'm actually going to put some effort in and spend a little bit of time on hair and makeup <laughs> it works. You look glorious thank you um so I thought we'd start off by having a little chat about your music you know um because I think I've I've always known you as a musician even before I ever heard you play I remember it was one of the first things you kind of talked about um and my first experience of hearing your music was at your graduation from rehab and and the song that you'd written do you want to tell me a little bit about that experience because I know you hadn't played music in a little while had you yeah I was basically I was just a busker it was a hobby um and through my addictions I put my guitar down for years and years so I was basically just a three chord player I didn't really know a lot about the guitar but I, I had a total passion write music and I'd stopped doing that. I think I'd wrote about five or six songs when I first learned to play three chords. Um, wrote a few songs and that was it. I never did anything with it, you know, addiction took over. Um, and then when I went into rehab um, for the graduation, obviously, which you know this, um, I think it was one of my peers has noticed us on YouTube. They'd come across something I'd done on YouTube like moons and moons ago. And they were just said, why, if you can do that, why aren't you doing that? And I just thought, fair enough. <laughs> why aren't I doing that? Um, it's the one thing I love to do. So, yeah, just to inspire them, it was my graduation first. So I wanted to leave um, and leave them with something because you just get so close in there, you know, um, which is hard to imagine when you walk in because you think they're all a bunch of raving lunatics, which by rights, most of them are, and so was I. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, not very well. Um, but yeah, just as kind of a gift, you know, to leave them a little bit of inspiration. I, I wrote a song specifically for them and called it Lost and Found, um, which obviously the title of the name, Lost and Found, you know, we all come from being lost. And I felt found the closest to being found I could imagine being when I left there. Um, so I decided to um, get the group together and do a group performance, which was just wacky and out there like me it was just something no one's ever done normally the tutors or the recovery workers the project workers they normally play a song and everybody has to sing a specific song that you choose you know 
So we chose mine and I had all of my um my little crew in there, all the rest of the peers doing a performance extra and their shirts off and stuff and just completely wild and wacky and it was going to be a graduation to remember and it certainly was. Um, it definitely was, was yeah I mean with me being around the recovery community for a good few years I've been to a lot of graduations from rehab and yours you know aside from the fact that we're good friends yours would definitely be the top of the list for most memorable um it was absolutely brilliant. It would have been shocking for you as well though because we hadn't long met yeah. in the fellowship and I'm like do you want to come to a graduation and you are like oh I've never been to one of them before yes <laughs> you've never definitely never seen anything like that before since. But yeah. it was good, you know, it's stuck in everyone's head for a good reason. And that's kind of what propelled everything. It one made us realise how much how much gratitude I had for recovery. Um, two, I was grateful to be alive and see how far I'd come. Um, I had a lot of compassion and understanding for the people that had still got to go through their recovery. Um, and it made us realise mostly how much I loved my music and how much I missed doing that. And that just kind of started the ball rolling. Um, and that was, I mean, that was the the sort of title song from your EP that you um, that you released not all that long after, was it? It would have been about a year later, I guess. I don't even think it was a year. Um, although it would have been, yeah, it would have been about a year. But I started doing recovery walks and stuff like that. I did the big Middlesbrough walk. Uh, that was mainly, other than that one song, that was the start of it. That was the biggest, by far the biggest and scariest thing at that time that I'd ever done. Um, it was on a friend's Facebook that there was a big recovery walk and I just rang them on a whim to see if they wanted any musicians. Um, and they said, actually, we've just had a cancellation, but we're way full. And I didn't even realise at that time where it was. And she said it was in Middlesbrough. Hadn't even come into my head, like, how am I going to get there? <laughs> just no thought. I just went with the flow. And then I ended up on a stage by myself with um, you crazy bunch following us, like a bunch of crazy fans. It was lush. It's really good. That was an amazing day. And it sounds like it was just meant to be, you know, with the last minute cancellation, with it being relatively local, you know, things just fall into place when, when they're meant to happen. I think if you get in the floor and you have a purpose in life, you will somehow find it. And things just have a turn of events that just seem miraculous where things just and it's been like that from start to finish, you know what I mean? It's, it, it just gets stronger and stronger as things go along. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, um, the Lost and Found EP, that was recorded not long before we came into the, the first lockdown in March 2020, wasn't it? I think it was around January, February time you were recording it. Is that right? Yeah. It's about January, February. Yeah. And that in itself was a miracle. Um, because I'd had another offer from someone that I had met at the recovery walk and I had actually started recording the Lost and Found album. Um, and for unbeknown reasons, that that didn't work out. Um, then a friend mentioned that someone in um, a, re a local radio station was wanting to interview musicians. So I just turned up with my guitar um, did three interviews in a row for them, three days in a row that week, and it went viral. And then that got us uh, another producer. I'd heard about the music, I'd getting in touch with him. And then that is the producer that I've still got now, Paul Simmons, who uh, he's fab, he's absolutely fab. But yeah, that's how it all came about, just a crazy incident of um, 
things, flustery <laughs> words. Yeah, and that's um, Paul Simmons of PSI Productions, isn't it? He's yeah. absolutely amazing, brilliant musician in his own right, brilliant producer. I'm always absolutely blown away every track you send that you're working on with him. You know, I already know your music's fantastic, and then you see the extra levels he adds to it. He's he's wonderful. He's an absolute genius. El Wizardo, that's his nickname. <laughs> oh, lush. Um, and you... Um, I'm trying to think back to when I sort of started getting involved because I'm not a musician. I don't know anything about, you know, the music industry or anything like that. Um, but I remember you'd started doing some practice sessions with some other musicians and I offered to take some photos and I think it all kind of snowballed from there, didn't it? Mm -hmm. It did, yeah. Um, and you've been stuck with us ever since. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember at that first photo shoot, you saying, you're going to be my manager. And I was like, no, I don't know anything about that, mate. I'll be your official photographer, maybe. <laughs> and um, over the last year since then, I'm still official photographer, videographer, which was a new skill, social yep, media everything. manager, public relations. <laughs> I still don't think I quite count as a manager, but I'm doing damn near everything else. <laughs> Pretty much, I. But do you know what it is, Felix? You need that. You've got the passion for what I'm doing as well. And you, you've stuck by us through thick and thin because it's not just about the music as well. It's about the messages and the journey through that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm really passionate about that. And obviously you're doing the same thing now, you know, it's and you always have worked alongside recovery because we know what it's like to come from that, yeah. to be a completely different person. And I couldn't do that without without the uh, support and the love of you and of Paul. The three of what together is just an amazing collaboration. I couldn't do it without either of you. Um, and I'll be eternally grateful for that. You know, it's amazing. Aye. But yeah, one photo shoot, that'll learn you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to have to be careful who I offer photo shoots to now. It's going to end up giving me a very busy schedule. <laughs> Well, to be fair, you're not really going to have much time, do are you? <laughs> <laughs> but like you say, it's, you know, it's a wonderful mad journey and I'm a huge fan of your music and a big believer in, in carrying the message of recovery. And we'll talk more about recovery shortly because I know that's something that's uh, very dear to both of us. Um, so the, the first EP, Lost and Found, that obviously launched during the first lockdown. Um, I remember us both working pretty hard on that, but uh, it was a brilliant time to do it really because neither of us had anything else to do. <laughs> um, and I guess for a lot of musicians, releasing one album um, during a lockdown would have been enough. But uh, do you want to tell us what you worked on next? Next as in right now or as next as in? Next as in after Lost and Found, yeah, because we're not even okay. caught up to now yet. Because <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I had put a recovery band together and called them Mandalay and the Broken Biscuits um, because we're a bunch of broken biscuits, let's be honest. <laughs> Not anymore, but we were at the time. So yeah, um, I put a band together and it was um, three guys that themselves are in recovery, you know, and they had the same passion um, because I wanted to do a lot more bigger performances and it's really hard to do that as a single artist, just standing with a guitar. Um, and I wanted to do more upbeat music as well. There was a couple of songs that, that were upbeat in Lost and Found, but I wanted it to be even more upbeat. So I put this band together um, and it was we were doing a big fellowship. Um, I won't mention which one, but we're doing a big fellowship. I convention. will. The traditions have no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I'll not, I'll not blow your anonymity, though, just mine. <laughs> I'm just... I'm a good girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'll try to be. So anywho, <laughs> um, a student fellowship. Um, yeah, I was doing a, I was on the convention committee um, and I was the entertainment manager thing on there. So I decided to put a band together um, and to do a big thing for recovery as well as the recovery walk coming up. Um, and that was going to be in Newcastle last September. Um, so we had eight weeks of me and the Broken Biscuits jamming every week, which, you know, because you were in there playing the cowbell and that for us in the back. <laughs> and um, that, that just kind of come to a massive halt through, obviously, COVID happened eight weeks in. And it was, I think it was the week of the actual convention. And it was right, everybody getting the house, nobody's allowed out. Panic stations, wasn't it? Um, so I, I just started to think, well, what am I going to do now? Um, who knows how long it's going to be like and get back with a band. Um, so I, I decided to um, get a loop pedal off of, on a whim of watching Ed Sheeran. I thought I could totally do that. <laughs> I can do anything I put my mind to. I'm a very powerful creator. <laughs> so I bought myself a loop pedal. Um, and then it dawned on us that I would actually have to be every member of the band. <laughs> so then I went on a mission to learn how to firstly play with a plec, because I'd avoided that, being a three-chord trick guitarist. Um, bought the plec, learned to play with that. Then I learned to play basic bass lines. Um, then I learned to play chords up and down the neck, which I hadn't been doing. Then I had to learn to play a bit lead as well. So I had to learn basic just melodies and stuff, single notes, whatever, on the guitar to fill the sound and percussion guitarism. Um, and then I decided as, on top of that, I might as well try a bit of beatboxing. <laughs> so uh, the kids were not happy about that. My mum, when they were like 15, 16 years old, splitting away with their beatboxing in the sit room, it's hilarious. So yeah, I did. I, did that um, and I started to give us more scope with the music. I could definitely, I could get what I had in my head out then, which is more of a dancey feel. Um, and that turned into was over lockdown, writing a full album, which I call Lockdown Lyrics, which was my idea of dance, which is a bit 80s. So another great collaboration with um, SI Music Productions, you know, Paul Simmons. And, we came up with an original sound, which which is great. It was really good fun. And that's kind of brought with it now. Nice, brilliant. I absolutely love that album. I mean, I've, I've loved everything you've put out, but Lockdown Lyrics is still on like my daily rotation. You know, like every time I make a new Spotify playlist, at least half of that album makes it in. It's just so catchy and so upbeat. It's um, it's brilliant. It's good for like my alarms first thing in the morning as well. You hear like Mother Said or Dance in the Rain and you can't help but get, get out of bed and start having a little dance around. <laughs> Mother Said was one of the songs I was the most proud of because I had actually written that song 12 years ago. It was one of the first songs I ever wrote. And my ex-partner at the time was laughing at us because I could only play three chords, like I said. And I was slamming the guitar, playing these chords, and he came in and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm writing a dance song. He was like, on an acoustic guitar with no amp, nothing. You just, I was like, yeah, it'll totally work. So I got to do that. So I got to actually fulfill that little dream and make that song um, and actually get it out there to the public. So... That's one of me, me fondest, that one is, is uh, yeah, it's special. Oh, brilliant. 
Um, and you had a, another new experience last year of um, making music videos. We, I'm trying to think, did we do five before we went back into lockdown? Um, six, it must have been six, because there were seven songs on the EP. You're right, and yeah. We, yeah, so we did six and there was one left undone. Yeah. Yeah. That was hilarious, wasn't it? Dressing up as a witch and that finding castle ruins and gyrating up and down castle walls. Yeah, so that was the um, I'm Powerless video, was the first one that we did together, and it was the one where you dressed as a witch and you had your leg out and you were gyrating. <laughs> but I'm making the video sound much dirtier than it is. It's actually, I think it's quite classy, um, but it's a, it's a good first effort for both of us. But I think... I love it now when I don't like it, but I think that's because we've made so much progress. Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's yeah. good. It's not that's not as good. The song was the first song on the album where I was attempting to make dance music. But I love the fact that it's out there anyway, because the whole point in me sharing my journey through recovery is not just through recovery, it's through the thriving and the rising of my career as well. Do you know what I mean? And it's and it's all part of one thing, which I love. I, I like to look back at it and see the, the progression. Yeah, and definitely, I think every video we made was better than the one before. Um, but then the slight sort of difference, obviously, we'd set out with the aim of making a music video for every song on that album. And then obviously with the new restrictions that came in with us living in different counties and not being able to meet up for, God, about six months now. Um, the last video we made was a, a bit of a different collaboration. Do you want to kind of give me your perspective on the uh, Driven by a Higher Power video? <laughs> it's just uh, it's a bit on our script, isn't it? <laughs> it's lush. Well, basically, like you've just said it all there. Um, you know what I like as well. You know that I'm writing and dancing myself and stuff. Um, and I couldn't dance because I, I was, was having some physical problems at the time. Um, so, yeah, you've jumped in there and done it all for us. And it was amazing because you've done the photography, um, all of the videography and all the pole dancing and stuff as well. And you look pretty amazing, let's be fair. There's no way I couldn't get to the shop for a tin of baked beans in their boots. Oh, <laughs> I can stagger across the living room. That is the limit. <laughs> Swinging about like that. Brilliant. But yeah, it's absolutely, it just brings out the essence of the song. The video makes the song even better. It really does. That's the beauty of collaboration though, isn't it? Definitely, yeah, because, you know, I know the kind of the things that inspired you to write that song, but as always happens with art, the person who hears it or sees it or experiences it applies it to their own life as well. And, you know, that song, Driven by a Higher Power, I really connect it to how there's been several times, both in my addiction and in my recovery, where I could just feel that I was on the wrong path and I needed to break away from it and I needed to allow a higher power to guide me to where I was meant to be. And everything I put into that video was the things that I feel most connected to my spirituality through, you know, gender nonconformity, dance, photography, you know, all of that self-expression stuff. So I just poured all of that into the video and it was lush for that to be my debut official performances on a script. I've done a couple of like lip sync battles and things before, but the first one where I was actually putting it out there under this name. So it was lush to, to get to do that work with you. And it works as well because our journeys, not the gender side of it or anything, but our views are slightly different on certain things, but we have constantly kind of 
come to the same realizations through our recovery yeah um and just through normal day-to-day life now and my tastes and stuff and music and a friend of mine um, that I used to play music with about 15 years ago um on online he lives in Holland and he had message saying I, I got all of the spiritual ideas and the beliefs from that video I forgot to tell you this um he picked up on the butterfly and stuff like that well if you know me I've got butterflies and stuff all over because it's a sign for transformation and so you've picked up on those things that are your beliefs but they're mine as well so it totally it totally worked yeah I think anyone who's really kind of sort of passionate about spirituality really drawn to spirituality will have more things in common with each other than they have differences you know the specifics of your beliefs can be almost total opposites but the things that give you that passion for it will will often be very much the same yeah definitely so we're going to take a little break here and hear some music so um i have picked out for us to kind of circle right back to where it began and we're going to hear lost and found um you've already talked a little bit about it but is there anything else you want to add before we go to break no it'll be nice to hear this i haven't heard it from uh like ages brilliant okay we're gonna hear that song now and we will be right back
It's okay to be broke You'll feel reborn when you leave here We were always chasing our tail Always repeating the same mistakes Banging our heads against a solid brick wall Stamping our feet on the ground Screaming out loud, no one heard a sound Along with the lost in the found So keep the faith and carry on And you will see lush to hear that again yeah back to where it all began um and that leads us on really nicely to what i wanted to talk about next which is talking a little bit more about recovery you know going back to to those early days and everything that's happened since then you know for both of us so do you want to just share just a little bit about your recovery journey and and how that has kind of developed over time yeah um where to start well like we're saying mine kind of started um rehab that was my route. Um, did I have to say route? That was very American. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching far too many podcasts on YouTube. Um, yeah, it started in rehab. Um, at that time, obviously, um, most people know my story now. This will probably be the last time for a while I tell the story, to be honest. Because um, it's it's done, you know, but if it helps other people, I, I, you know, I don't mind having the story out there. But yeah, I was at the time homeless. I'd had a psychotic breakdown. Um, I lost my children. I lost my partner. I lost my home. And I ended up in a really down and out hostel. Um, like I've heard many people telling this exact same story as well, though, you know. Um, and it took it took that absolute break of hitting rock bottom for me to realise that there was a problem, a really serious problem. Um, and I would, I'll always be grateful for that moment because I didn't give up, you know. Um, I don't know what it was in us. I believe it was a higher power, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it made us want to go and search for some truth, search for why I keep repeating these behaviours and stuff. Why why this, not, not behaviours, I didn't recognise them as that at the time. More of why I just kept, the same things kept repeat, like repeatedly happening from saving me teens, I'd been in hostel after hostel after hostel during my life and the, the same thing was happening even though I felt like I hadn't done anything. Um, so rehab was the start of it um, and then rehab and con 
continuous care, so I did nine months in total. That led us into the fellowships because the rule of being in rehab was that you had to do three fellowship meetings a week, um, which I believe is still the case. So yeah, I did that um, and I fell into the fellowships and then I got a sponsor called Honor Script. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, picked the craziest, wackiest sponsor I could find. I know, right? It's wild to think of people being like sponsored by this disaster. <laughs> oh, but can you imagine sponsoring this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then, then again, well, what? Basically, my whole last two and a half year, you've been in there somewhere. That's why we're so such close friends now. But yeah, um, and then the fellowship was great. You know, I really, really put a lot, which you know, because I did it with you. Um, we're going on the 12 steps. And I'll still say, you know, it was, at that time was the best thing that I ever did for myself because it surfaced so much trauma, and which is painful. But it was things that I didn't even realise that had gone through, things that were hidden in the back of my subconscious mind or behaviours, patterns of behaviour, destructive behaviour and toxic behaviour, um, always chasing the thrill of something outside of us to feel like I was whole. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the start of it for me. Um, and I've just recently left, left the fellowships because I feel like that's, that's my journey ended there. You know, I'm doing my own stuff now. Um, I'm doing a lot of subconscious mind reprogramming through affirmations and stuff, um, visualization, meditation, um, general knowledge, seeking knowledge from other people that have been through this, you know, um, not necessarily recovery, but I've taken hold of my mind now and I'm controlling it myself. And I don't believe that anybody should be told that they're powerless <laughs> of anything. You know, it's to think that you're powerless means you can never escape that, and it just defies everything I believe in now. Um, I believe I'm the, one of God's highest forms of creation in the world, you know, that we're really, really powerful spiritual beings if we take control of our minds, which is what I'm doing now. Um, you've got a similar story with that, Felix. You know, it's nothing against the fellowship from my point of view at all you know I wish them all well and it worked for us back then if anybody was taking the same path as me I would recommend that they did some sort of spiritual program because it's what woke us up and this now is the start of growth I wouldn't want to call it recovery it's growth it's making us a different person you know that person that was back then that recovering woman is dead to me now you know Mandy's gone Mandy Lee or Amanda is here now um, and that's exciting and I love that but yeah that's kind of my journey I stood up and went like where we are now really yeah that's brilliant there's so much there I relate to you know obviously um we've we've had a very similar journey and a lot of the kind of key points happened at around similar times you know I remember I sponsored you through through all 12 of the steps and I was starting at looking at doing another round and you were kind of considering doing another round and I think both of us were having that kind of gut feeling of this isn't going to add anything this is this is retreading old ground um and I remember when I made the decision to to leave the fellowship being really nervous I was sponsoring you and one other person at the time um and I I you know I'll not go into what happened with the other person because that's her story but but with you I phoned you up and said you know I've been thinking this over and I, I think I need to I need to leave NA 
and you said something like thank fuck for that because you were well on the way out as well I didn't know how to tell you I was too <laughs> yeah. yeah um so like you'd obviously I mean I knew you hadn't been to a meeting in a little while at that at that point but I I hadn't got the slightest inkling that you were actually planning on not going back I thought it was just with the the lockdown and not wanting to use zoom and stuff um, and then when I said that, it was just such a relief, I think, for both of us that we weren't alone in our, our thinking around that. Um, and I went back to meetings after that, though, when I came home and I felt totally depressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, shite with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's harder to leave than you would think, considering that there's nothing, you know, there's no contract keeping you there. There's no one telling you you have to go. There's not a gun to your head. It's you can become quite enmeshed and I could understand why you felt that draw to go back and, and oh it was it wasn't it wasn't so much for me it was for other people it was still hanging on to a little bit of people pleasing <laughs> it was more of a social thing because none of what had seen each other and although the social distancing was still in you were still in a room with all of those people that I'd spent all of me two years with you know um, and it was somebody else it was my sponsor at the time just before I left, had said, please, will you come for me? And, you know, I kind of went for them. And I did that a few times until I just went that because I was having to come home and meditate because I felt so wiped out with all the negativity. And it's just a room full of people talking about all of the bad things that's ever happened to them, how they'll never get better, how <laughs> they can't see a way out. It, it, it's just so much. Do you know what I mean? It was just, I don't want to ever be stuck in my past. I'm not that person. I've evolved and I do not see the benefit of sitting saying I am an addict because I believe that I am a very, very invoking powerful words to write down or speak. To me, that's invoking God. God to me is I am. You know, that's my belief. Uh, whatever God is, whatever it is, uh, I don't think anybody knows what it is. Um, it's, you know, we all have our own beliefs. But the words I am, you know, like it doesn't matter what your study comes up, I am is it. <laughs> so to say even, I am. Yeah, like even from just a pure psychology perspective, that's how a lot of sort of positive affirmations work is you're reinforcing uh, a belief. Um, one of the things I've been studying recently is a form of therapy called REBT. And in that, the sort of the core idea of it is that your beliefs that you've internalized cause all of your emotions and your emotions cause your reactions and your responses and your behavior. And then so, that creates your reality. Yeah. So if you're telling yourself these negative, limiting, irrational beliefs over and over and over again, that's going to affect your emotional regulation and that's going to affect your behavior. Um and so, you know, I relate so much to what you're saying, because when I was still involved in fellowships, I was saying I am an addict, sometimes multiple times in a meeting. You know, I was um, I was referring to myself as powerless and I was writing inventories that would reinforce the idea of powerlessness. So my internalized beliefs were that I was an addict and that I was powerless. And so is it really any surprise that I was smoking 20 cigarettes a day? Is it any surprise that I was ordering a 14 inch pizza every single time I could afford it? And sometimes when I couldn't, is it any surprise that I was watching porn every night and then feeling ashamed of myself? You know, because I was telling myself that these were, these were part of who I was. This was a disease that I had and that would never be cured. So I might as well get on with it. 
Um, and as soon as I stopped saying those things, it started getting easier to address those remaining addictive behaviors until I reached a point where I just don't respond addictively to, to pleasure anymore. I can enjoy a thing and then not have it again for three weeks, you know, and that's something that has never been possible for me, even since very early childhood. Um, and I do credit the fellowship that I was in with some of the growth that got me ready to take that final step, but, but stopping the stuff that had worked for me for a couple of years and moving beyond it was just as essential to my recovery as starting that process in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah. And forcing, forcing an opinion on someone that they have a disease. It's a, if, if you told you had a disease of cancer, you would panic initially. Like you, you would absolutely be distraught. So to be sitting with all these people that are diseased, it's, that's not a positive place to be. Do you know what I mean? It's not a disease. It's a, and this is not from me. I posted something on Facebook the other day, um, as you know, with a big statement about recovery, just saying, you know, I'm, I'm choosing to stay clean and sober because the study I'm doing on, is on myself and I'm studying my thoughts and my behaviours intensely, like every second of every day. I'm thinking, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And I watch how I, I have these in, inner conversations with myself that are so detrimental to my health. Like I'll go, oh, you look fat and mad. You, and we'll all have these negative thoughts in my brains. And now I actually, I'm aware of my thoughts. I am aware. So I watch my thoughts happen. Then I think, hang on, there's a belief there behind it. And then I write down all of the things I might say, like, he's probably going to leave us. She doesn't care. Well, she hasn't replied within five minutes. She's probably too busy for us. These are all like fears. And there's a core belief behind all of those individual fears that we all have. And when you get down to that core belief, then I make affirmations of the opposite. So if I work out, and most of mine was a fear of abandonment in some way, but the more I'm fearing people are gonna abandon us, the more they abandon me because that is what I'm putting out there. So, so ironically, yeah, yeah, just it, we'll all do it where we get stuck in these loops and we can't get out because the more it happens when the evidence is out there and we're looking at the evidence. And I remember saying to you, well, it's not that I've got a fear of abandoning, I'm fucking abandoned because look, they've all fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that that evidence is there tells my subconscious mind that that is the only truth because I can see it. So what I'm doing now is I'm picking up on those core beliefs and I'm making positive affirmations, starting with I am, and there's only now. So I am so happy and grateful now that I am loved. All of my relationships are committed, are consistent, are trustworthy, are loving, because that's where my fear was surrounding. So if I program myself to think the complete opposite, surely that's a better, it's going to have this better outcome than focusing on who you used to be and all the bad things that happened to you consistently on a continuous basis. It's like how many rounds of steps can you possibly do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I do believe it's really important to kind of process and release your trauma through whatever method works for you. But there has to come a point where enough is enough and reliving it is actually re-traumatizing. Um, and you know, on affirmations, I know you use them a lot more consistently than me 
sticking to routines is maybe not my strongest skill, but the power of affirmations when I do use them, you know, I tend to use them more for um, sort of crisis management. So when I still suffered from anxiety, which I'm very grateful that I don't anymore, um, I would use affirmations to kind of talk myself down from a panic attack. So if I was feeling like I was under some kind of threat or something terrible was going to happen, I would go to those strong, now focused, I am affirmations, you know, I am safe, I am protected, I am going to be, no, I am okay, you know, things like that. And just going through those in my head would stop a panic attack in its tracks. It wouldn't necessarily stop me from feeling anxious, you know, because I was still very unwell when I was experiencing that but it would stop me going to that full-blown, paralyzing, terrifying panic attack. And that's something that, you know, medication hasn't been able to do for me. Therapy hasn't been able to do for me. And I'm not saying that those things don't have value because they definitely do have their time and their place. But there is something so special about the power of positive self-talk and developing that loving, nurturing relationship with yourself that allows you to overcome, I, I would say, almost anything. Mm -hmm. Definitely agree with you. And visualizing the person you want to become as well. It has so much power behind it, Felix. It really does. And yeah. um, I know you know that because we've talked about this before and your transformation just for your health has been phenomenal. And I said to you, well, you must have had an image in your head of what you wanted to become. And you were like, yeah, and I know that because I'm doing it myself. Yeah. I've miraculously just stopped eating meat. I don't interact with I was going to say don't inhale any coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't recommend drink. inhaling coffee. <laughs> don't inhale coffee. I don't drink smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but people just laugh and say, I've ever done. I read, I study every day, I pray, I meditate. Um, I work out now. I've lost a stone and a half. And I've got another two to go because I had piled it on, you know, just pressure and stuff. And it's, it's, you'd go to a meeting and they would just say, well, that's because you're an addict. So you're eating like you want No, it's not. It's because there's ingrained roots and the core beliefs stuck in my subconscious mind somewhere that I'm not aware of. Yeah. And I found that by doing self-talk, by watching my thoughts. And that for me is the only reason that I'm not using alcohol at this minute in time. Um, because I don't feel like I need it personally. Um, it's not out of any fear that I would go back to previous behaviours because I'm not that person and every single thing that I self-medicated and drank for or used drugs for, I've dealt with over like two and a half years and I'm still doing that um, and I will continue to do that until I feel like I've got a hold of all my old behaviours probably, you know. Um, but yeah, That's fabulous. And I guess that's one area where where our sort of um, our paths, our, our sort of journeys we're on diverge a little bit. So obviously you've talked there about a, a few more behaviours that you've quit and the fact that you, you still choose to live a sober life. Um, whereas I reached a point, you know, I didn't have any thoughts about, about drinking or using any other substances when I left the fellowship. <laughs> um, but I... I started to feel that the presence of that fear that had been imposed on me from others was becoming quite heavy. So I would get guilt feelings if I even thought briefly about I could probably drink now. And that would then come with some of the fear. Um, and I started to feel like even though I hadn't been to a 12 step meeting in several months, I could feel like the shadow of it on me. 
And for me, formally revoking my step one by having a drink felt like quite an important symbolic gesture to cast that off and to prove to myself that I wasn't powerless. Um, and there was a risk attached to that, you know, if it turned out that I was wrong and they were right, it could have gone very, very dark very, very quickly. But because that didn't happen, it really sort of shone a light on the path that I was on and told me that actually the intuitive relationship that I have with my patron goddess is far more valuable to my continued sort of freedom from addiction uh, than, than any kind of human imposed structure that I'd ever been a part of. And it was, for me, it was a really important kind of symbol. Um, and I now have what I would consider a very healthy relationship with alcohol. I don't drink more than 14 units a week. I don't drink more than two nights a week. Uh, I don't drink anything purely for the alcohol content. I drink things that I really enjoy the taste of. Um, and I drink them either in social situations or as a way to relax and unwind. I never drink if I'm feeling sad or if I'm experiencing fear or if I'm experiencing any kind of stress or tension because I know that that, even for someone with no history of addiction, just isn't good for your mental state to be escaping into a substance. Um, and I found that to be a positive experience. And that has also taught me the skills that allow me to now feel able to quit caffeine, which I'd felt really unable to do before because I don't want to be abstinent from caffeine for the rest of my life. But I also didn't like the fact that I needed a cup of coffee in the morning or I would get a headache. So I've now detoxed off caffeine and I'm confident that when the time's right, I'll be able to have the occasional cup of coffee when I'm in a coffee shop, which would be nice. Yeah, see, I'm not, obviously I'm quite happy with the decaf now because, and I just figured out you could get that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, I kept going to count out and Greg's and say, could I have one of them, uh, them caffeine-free coffees? And <laughs> 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 then going into decaf mode. But yeah, the difference with me, Felix, is I never drank because I enjoyed it. I hate the taste of it. Yeah. I only ever drank as a form of something to get me out of my head. Do you know what I mean? It was it yeah. was literally a self-medication. And it has been, and I can take that back to being 15, 16 years old. I was in a hostel at that age. Um, and I, I remember getting that drunk, like oblivion absolute oblivion at like 15 16 so from the first time i've ever had a drink i've drunk like an like an alcoholic do you know what i mean um mm -hmm. binge drinking more so but that is you know it wasn't always like that drunk like an alcoholic where i needed it every day it was more where i just i wanted loads of it it was a greed like i couldn't stop when i started i didn't want to stop it's not that i couldn't i didn't want to i wanted as much of it as i could get until I physically passed out. So there was no enjoyment in alcohol for me. So I'm not missing that just yeah. that nice taste. Do you know what I mean? And That's the thing is there's no reason to drink it, then then why bother? <laughs> you know? Um if it was like a special occasion. I'm not saying that further down the line I might want a drink, but I never liked the taste of it. So I can't see that happening. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um yeah, that's the thing, you know, that. any behavior can be can be seen as addictive. Well, any behavior can be addictive. And I guess sort of your kind of ongoing journey and mine has been about figuring out what things we need to abstain from, what things we need to learn to bring into balance and what things we just don't have an issue with. Um, so for me, alcohol is a thing that I feel confident bringing back into balance. I 
don't think I would have a great time if I tried to make moderate heroin use part of my life. I think I liked it far too much and I've had far more than my fair share. <laughs> Um, yeah, don't be greedy. You've had it all. <laughs> yeah. You don't need it. You'll not be very good at swinging around your pole when you're asleep for days. <laughs> no. You've got far too many jobs to do. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it yeah. for me as well, the reason that I chose to use alcohol but not any other substances isn't because I see alcohol as inherently any better or different. It's that anything illegal by by the fact that it's illegal comes with potential consequences. You know, you don't know what you're getting. You run the risk of legal trouble. It would have a huge negative impact on my career. Um, if everything was on the same legal level, might I have chosen something different? Potentially, but I also think alcohol something historically I've had a relatively safe relationship with and, and it made sense for that to be something that I could reintroduce in a safe way. Yeah, I mean, mine I did substitute when I stopped drinking alcohol. <clears throat> I was in a different fellowship. Um, I stopped drinking alcohol for about nine, ten months. Um, but I wasn't aware of the fact that you had to abstain from everything because it's not mentioned in this specific fellowship. Sometimes things have to be literally spelled out in Mandy Lee. <laughs> and I was like, but I was sober. Um, so yeah, I just substituted, but I didn't understand what the problem was. I said I wasn't allowed to drink alcohol and I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but that was many moons ago, right at the start of recovery. But I don't feel like there's anything I have to abstain from. Yeah. Nothing. I choose to abstain. Not that I have to. Not that I fear that I can't in the future if I want to. But that's not an issue to me. It's just at this moment in time. I didn't enjoy alcohol anyway. I'm not missing it. And I'm loving what I'm accomplishing in my life. I'm loving who I'm becoming without it. You know, so yeah. it's all good. Right. That's, it sounds like on, on that, you know, we really are aligned again, where I don't feel that there's anything that I have to do. Um, the thing that I choose to abstain from is compulsive, self-destructive, addictive behavior. So for me, my recovery, I don't really know if I identify as in recovery anymore. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about that, the difference between being in recovery and being recovered, which is the place I think we've both reached. Um, but I don't define myself by what I'm abstinent from. I define myself by the freedom from the addict nature, the the urges that take hold, you know, the, the compulsive side of it. It doesn't matter whether I have one drink or zero drinks or 10 drinks. What matters is that I'm able to stop when I want to and stay stopped for as long as I want to. You know, it's it's that freedom that that is really exciting. I think it's, for me, it's recovery, recovered, evolution. Yeah. The whole thing is ev evolving from, you know, my, my life until I would say I've, just before everything went to shit, basically, I'm grateful for it now. I can look back and I'm grateful that absolutely everything that I've been through, everything, being abused, everything, and that sounds weird and wacky and out there. But if those specific things hadn't happened, I believe that every one of those things had an impact on the next one and the next one and the next one and all of these little things came together to get me to where I was, to where I broke. And I had to break to become who I am becoming, you know? And I really do, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Because- That's a beautiful way to look at it as well, really positive, I like it. It's, it's made us who I am and yeah. I'm proud of who I am now. And that is all part of my evolution. It's why I came and I really genuinely believe that it's me soul's purpose to have gone through that to wake up 
to go on this journey and my whole life's been an incredible journey. It's like I'm going to be on my death where going, wow, that was a fucking trip, that like. <laughs> but the things and the pains that I went through and the growth that I've had bit by bit, I believe I've gone through that so that I can put that information and the emotion into my music to help other people. And Excellent. that's my passion, you know, I just want to use it, use it to help others. Yeah. Brilliant. So I think that's a good place to take a little break and hear some more music and really aligned with what we've been talking about. Um, I picked out another of your songs, Don't Give Up. Do you want to introduce that one? Tell us a little bit about it. Yay, dressed as a cowgirl and everything in this. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think the title of the song just says the whole lot, really. Don't give up. Just leave it there. Nice and simple, short and sweet. So we'll uh, go to that now and we'll be back shortly.
And welcome back. Oh, it was lush to hear that again. We had so much fun on that shoot running around in the woods and looking for train tracks and things. It was a <laughs> great day out. <laughs> um, so speaking of your music again, I've noticed on your Facebook page, say I've noticed as if I'm not the one uploading them all, there's been a, a lot of new songs popping up. Um, is that potentially a clue that a new album might be on the way? Well, you know it is, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, next week, I'm in the studio. So I'm really, really, really excited. Really excited because I'm combining the first the first EP and the second album. So it's going to be somewhere mash of a bit of both. A bit more folky, but with the dance as well. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds really exciting. Is that working with Paul Simmons again? It is. I wouldn't wait with anybody else. He's amazing. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah I bet he'll be looking forward to that as well. I know he enjoys working with you. Definitely. We've got uh, some wacky ideas to put this album together. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's been some incredible songwriting in some of your recent stuff, you know, so I'm really excited to hear how that sounds with the, uh, the classic Paul Simmons polish on it. I know. It's exciting, isn't it? There's such a different message as well in this album. Like I said, I'm sharing my journey as I go you know so the message of the songs changes as well from album to album doesn't it and uh, which you know because you upload all the videos <laughs> and I've been throwing them out I think I've done about 16 weeks in a row of a new song every week haven't I yeah original, original. put myself to the test this time I, I did say at the beginning you're prolific and you've certainly proved that you know two two releases within the last year and another one fully written and ready to go. That's quite an achievement. Well, it'll be, by the time I get this, it's probably going to take about four months to record this album. So that'll be three albums. So that'll be about 30 songs I've written in a year and recorded and released. Hopefully Incredible. with music videos as well. Oh yeah, I can't wait to get out filming again. <laughs> I know. If the camera, I don't, like the, I don't like the photographs, as you know, though. You know, I always get you some good ones, though. I always get a few you can at least tolerate. You keep working on that self-love, you'll learn to like the pictures as well. Well, it's not just that. I just get nervous every time I see a camera lens. I start going... I just smile and I grimace. So, new album coming. What else does the future hold for, a.k.a. Mandy Lee? Any other big plans? Uh, well, yes, I'm booked into a big festival in North Shields in August, so that's looking like hopefully that'll be going forward. Fabulous. Um, and then I can start taking in more gigs and stuff, you know, I've been off that stuff, but with COVID and everything, nobody's really knowing what's quite happening yet. So yeah. I'm just going to flow as I do. I'm just going to follow my higher power. I'll meditate on it and whatever comes my way, if it's a good opportunity, who knows? <laughs> Excellent. I can't really say anything because I don't feel like I'm actually in control of this. I feel like a higher power totally is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where it's going to go. I would never have thought I would have been playing a loop pedal. <laughs> but um, it's written two albums, you know, that I would never have ever written in a different style of music. So I love the fact that I don't know what's coming next sometimes. It's exciting. Definitely. Living in the unknown. And in terms of your kind of personal development, personal growth, what, what are your sort of goals there? What are you working on at the moment? 
at the minute I'm uh, manifesting law of attraction um, you are the placebo by inspirational people like Dr. Joe Dispenza um, the greatest secret, Rhonda Burns I'm just reading the most amazing stuff um, Neville Goddard um, try to think Bob Proctor I'm just all these big people that I'm studying or um, it's basically it's my here's me nodding program. along as if I've heard of any of them but I'm yeah. happy for you <laughs> it's my program and you know and when I, I love being on a mission of studying yourself because you'll find someone and then I've just found an amazing mentor another mentor today through a podcast actually like this um, but it was someone that I, I do study books with Joseph Rodriguez is called um, and he goes through all of the books that I'm reading and he does like a study program on them so I've been doing that so I am actually studying this you know it's all um, but yeah I've kind of been through the, the mystic side of it um, right through to the scientific side of it so you know I'll be like psychiatrists and all sorts I'm looking up um, just loving loving reading and learning um, and more than anything I'm loving learning about myself um, it's one way to fix yourself is to learn about yourself and I don't think any of us really when people ask who we are know who we are at the start it's it's, a, it's an interesting journey getting to know yourself I'm loving it so I'm just it really gonna, is yeah wild ride right. <laughs> and I can honestly look in the mirror now and say to myself I love you Mandy Lee I never used to be able to do that. I could barely look in the mirror, you know, and it's, you love yourself for that people will love you. Yeah. I reached that point in the last year as well after, you know, getting quite a long way in early recovery, getting from kind of self-loathing up to self-liking, which was a huge, huge turnaround for me. But it's been this last sort of six months to a year, something's just fallen into place and I'm absolutely in love with who I am now. And I'm so glad that you're, you're at that point too, because it's a, a lovely place to be. It's lovely when you don't feel like you need anybody or anything in the outside world to actually make you feel whole, that like you genuinely just feel whole. Yeah. Like people have said to me, like, oh, are you in love? And I'm like, yeah, with myself. <laughs> uh, as soon as the restaurant's open, I'm taking myself out on a date. <laughs> oh, I've been for loads. I've had the best dates with myself. I've took myself everywhere. It's been. I bought yeah. myself loads last week. I'm always buying myself chocolates and flowers and that. <laughs> Ideally, you've got to love yourself. And I just wanted to check as well, uh, where's the best place for my hopefully many thousands of listeners to find you online? It'll happen. Um, com, And that'll send you links to Instagram, Spotify, um, YouTube. What else am I on? Pretty much everything. But if you get to the just put akmandylee.com into Google and it'll, it'll link you to everything. Yeah. And the Facebook page is um, facebook.com forward slash akmandylee as well, if people prefer to navigate yeah. straight there. But that's linked on the website as well. Yeah. And nearly a new album, Better Days, four months' time. I'm so excited. It's going to be oh. awesome. Oh, that's brilliant. I can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. I'm going to have it on all my Spotify playlists. I'm going to be downloading it from Bandcamp. I'm going to be, you know, I, I'm going to pretend like I know how to use iTunes and Apple Music and all of the Amazon Music and stuff. Everything, everything, streaming it everywhere. Thanks. I'll be obsessed. I'll send you a free as well. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> can't beat a freebie.
Okay. Um, so that is us all wrapped up. Thank you so much for coming on to speak to me today, Mandy Lee. And um, hopefully we will get you lots of new followers on your Facebook and your website and everywhere else and get those Spotify plays up. Um, just to wrap up, would you like to introduce the final song? We're going to be hearing Dance in the Rain next. Yes, this is... i get the fingers out. Dance <laughs> in the Rain. <laughs> hey! Okay, thanks so much and see you soon. See you soon.
Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join us again next time on Not In Vain. On the next episode, I'll be chatting to author Susan Thorne about her escape from the Jehovah's Witnesses and her process of telling her story and her truth. See you then.